Welcome to Checks and Balances. I'm Michael Vincent. This is James Blair. And this week, we're joined by James Cochran, a partner at Stace Hammond, who is everything crypto, to talk about the crypto boom. So, James, great to have you back again. I'm just referring to you, to you these days as the crypto lawyer. Um, James Cochran, partner at Stace Hammond. Make sure to check out the previous episode if you haven't already. So, Last time we spoke about, James, um, how you got involved into cryptocurrency and the idea of where the idea came from, I guess the big question now is somebody wrote a paper, there was an idea of, you know, you can't have two people buying the same um, movie tickets or Taylor Swift tickets, and there's the, probably a little bit of a lack of trust in the banks to an extent. How do we get from an idea to this huge industry, which has now got serious, serious money and people questioning, I guess, the future of finance? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a great question. It's a very, very deep rabbit hole. Yeah, it's, we'll pull you out if you go yeah, too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you, know, you cover I'm, that in I'm, one sentence? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a litigator. I like to talk, so um, you're going to have to rein me in. It's good but, you're on a podcast then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess what happened is... Crypto was a real wild west. Um, there are a lot of uh, shady actors. We talked on the last episode about um, how crypto was being used for, particularly Bitcoin, for illegal purposes um, uh, in Silk Road and Dark Web, and that's because a lot of criminals are early adopters. But uh, what happened is um, Bitcoin showed that it's pretty resilient. Mm. Right? Like, let, let, if we take a step back, this is something that just exists on the internet. There's no coins. Yeah. Right? There's no physical coin. There's no bunnies yet with gold jackets. No bunnies with gold jackets. <laughs> no leprechauns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, possibly a few prickly characters in the environment. Uh, but um, leprechauns behind the computer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's no coins. But uh, I guess that because it's a young technology... Uh, it it works out what the bugs in this in the system are, right? And the code that was used is, um, as I understand it, there's a um, it works on encryption. There's something called the SHA two fifty six encryption algorithm. Yeah, yes, yeah, one of my the, favorites. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a shade on two fifty seven though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. It um, anyway, this the, it proved itself that it's. Uh, it hasn't been hacked. Bitcoin hasn't been hacked as a protocol because it's so decentralized, so um, uh, and it's the way it works is it's quite robust, you know. So you have other threats that come from governments trying to ban it and things like that, right? What has actually happened is whenever governments try to ban it because it exists on the internet, spread over computers, you know, um, it, it's quite robust. So if one, if if one entity bans it, then the other um, environments or countries that endorse it and support it, uh, it's, it's economics, right? It moves, yeah. game yeah. theory, it finds the place where mm. it's going to be supported. Yeah. yeah. And can, can I ask you about that, because this is a very long answer, can I ask you about the idea of, like, say when China, um, they ban Bitcoin, right? Is that China's constantly banning Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. Done it so, times. So some people who are... Um, critics or um, unsure would go, well, what happens if all the countries in the world you know, keep, keep banning these currencies? What would, what would you say? Um, I think what would happen there is, I think it's unlikely, 
because the, because of game theory, um, you know, there are going to be advantages. So what happened when uh, China banned crypto mining? Uh, basically, all those miners moved to other countries, yeah. um, welcoming places in the U.S. in particular, like uh, Texas, mm. Wyoming. Um, so that's kind of how it works. If there was a, um, you know, I, on the odd chance that there was a massive, you know, regulation, sort of simultaneous annihilation between all the governments, which I think is highly unlikely, yeah. it would still exist on the internet. It would probably get traded in grey or black markets yeah. um, because of that's how it works, mm. right? You know, there are kids um, uh, trading uh, Fortnite um, I understand. I don't play Fortnite. They're not that cool. But um, um, my brother is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they trade this stuff on the on the what's called the grey market. Right? Yeah, they, yeah. They find a way to to trade it. Yeah. So, so essentially, like if um, it's just like any other finance concept, right? Like if an industry is regulated or made less attractive, there is always a country who goes or somewhere else that goes, this is quite an opportunity for us. Why don't you come sit up here, set up all these jobs, all this money in the crypto example moves over to another country, great for the local economy? Well, I think and, you, if you just look at like the uh, a real-life example of that is probably torrents, right, back in the day. So like it was banned pretty much everywhere, you know, the... Um, uh, you know, uh, film industries and music industries are cracking down on it. So they literally just shifted the servers onto an old like defense platform or oil rig platform off the coast of like the UK and just Pirate Bay. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So it it, yeah. it finds a way to just mm. continue. That's mm. right. And there is this um, fine balance between overregulation uh, and uh, underregulation. Yeah. Uh, underregulation, you're going to have cowboys. Mm. And uh, overregulation, that's going to slow down the adoption, right? There's not yeah. going to be as many uh, jobs created because mm. of it. And um, I guess getting back to how did this thing become what it did, yep. you know, people saw the opportunity with the technology. They, um, they saw that there was money to be made and there, there were attempts to, you know, vary Bitcoin, to do it a little bit different. Um, new protocols were created, had a lot of a, um, a tra- because of the money that was being made, you know, there's the, the growth is, uh, it's going up thousands of percent mm. a year, right? It's going like this, but ultimately it's been up and to the right. Yeah. Mm. And um, that attracted a lot of really smart um, people, a lot of Silicon Valley people started moving out of Web 2, you know, Google's and your mm. Facebooks and go, I'm gonna, actually going to have a crack at doing crypto yeah um with more regulation uh there there comes more um secure offerings right you have uh entities like coinbase which are quite heavily regulated yeah who um you know they have a a a a, a, a i guess they take their security of their customers crypto really really seriously um, they they change and adopt, right? It's not like early days where some of these exchanges were literally running off uh, one laptop. Yeah, now these these guys have military grade um, protection for their offline storage. Uh, they have um, teams of people working on security. They have hacker 
um, bounties. You know, you can yeah. people help them identify weaknesses in the code and things mm, like that. Yeah. It just, because of that, because of the security, and I guess that encourages people, it gives people more confidence, okay, maybe it's not just this funny internet money. Um, and then you get these really big asset managers yeah. and investors, guys like Paul Tudor Jones, Bill Miller, like famous hedge fund guys mm. coming in saying, I'm just going to allocate a little bit. Yeah, and that gives that gives it that sort of Wall Street stamp, right? Like we're in it now. So, yeah. yeah. Do you think that was one of the big switches over the last few years? Was that like um, that big, big firm money, that big investor money? That I mean, it uh, legitimizes it quite a bit, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I guess that is something that uh, appealed to me about it. You know, you have um, big funds like. Um, Fidelity, who create their own digital Fidelity digital division. Yeah. Um, uh, guys um, like Mike Novogratz from Galaxy Digital, um, uh, leaving big, big hedge funds. I think he was at Fortress to um, to basically focus on crypto crypto development. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of VC money guys like Andreessen Horowitz. I think their firm, their crypto firm is called A16Z. Yeah. You know, the pouring early adopters, guys who made tons and tons of money, um, things like early uh, investors in Facebook and stuff like that, just, you know, that's that's where they are spending their energy. That's how they're spending their money and their, um, their time. And that just helps build the ecosystem. Yeah. It encourages other people. But also, I guess, there's the accessibility of it, you know. Um, before platforms like Sharesies, Robinhood in the States, you had to go through a broker. You had to, you had, the broker had to buy all your stocks for you. This allowed you to, to do it yourself and um, to not have to pay a broker a fee of whatever return you, were, you, know, you could get. And um, yes, that's pretty appealing to some people that yeah. they can you know, actually manage their own portfolios and give it a crack themselves. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of the um, the rise of cryptocurrency um, and the, I guess, the legitimization of it and then the popularity in such a small space of time is really just a microcosm of other financial assets, shares and all these sorts of things, but has just which has just played out over a much longer period of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where, where did we get to, like, so the, the big money started to come in. Now, you know, you're at the barbecue and you know, you have, your 13-year-old nephew's like, mate, I'm worth $14 million. <laughs> and I've made Three it Lambos last. out back. Yeah, yeah you should see my Fortnite skins. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even have a driver's license. <laughs> yeah. Too young. Yeah, yeah. I've made it in the last three weeks. I'm deep in the game. Um, no, how did we get from... That's like, actually a thing. You know, there are, there are kids as young as 12 who are earning decent amounts of money minting NFTs, playing Axie yeah. Infinity, which is an NFT um, metaverse game. You know, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, mm. but but how did we get from so like, I mean, they're unicorns. They're quite unique. How did we get from the big money, the early adopters, to now it essentially being mass market? With you know, you, you talk to a lot of people, and I know we went to an event 
um, maybe crypto versus property. Yeah, yeah, six twelve months ago, something like that. Um, with the lockdowns, you get a bit confused with timeframes. And the people who were there were, you know, thirty-year-old lawyers and doctors and um, plumbers, and it was just it was such a wide range of sort of um, people who traditionally maybe a few years ago would not have been considered crypto people. Yeah. How did we get to that point where it became so mass market? Yeah, I think um, a big part of that was uh, Ethereum. Yeah. And uh, how it, um, it's a bit different to Bitcoin. You know, there's there's a lot of different cryptos, but um, Ethereum had, and I might be wrong about this, but um, one of the key reasons why Ethereum's been successful is because it allows uh, people to build decentralized apps on top of it, mm. right? And um, uh, some of the dApps that were being built are uh, called DeFi, decentralized yeah. finance, and um, that allows people to essentially just cut out a broker w- with the code, um, just borrow against their crypto, and then um, there was this big DeFi boom. They said that 2017 there's this ICO boom. Also, um, that was sort of spin-offs of Bitcoin and Ethereum and other other uh, projects being built on Ethereum. Yeah. And uh, Ethereum also ha- created the ability to do uh, NFTs, mm. you know, digital collectibles. Yep. And um, that's really, really taken off okay. in the yep. last last few years. I don't want to do NFTs um, just yet because we're going to go down. Yeah. The, the, the Ethereum piece with the um, being able to build things on top, um, to me that really makes no sense. Yeah. Can you give me like the most basic definition of why that matters? Um, it's yeah, it's that's quite a tricky question because I'm not a tech person. Yeah, mm. but um, I th- I think for for example, a lot of the projects that get built, they will often have uh, their own token, mm. right? So uh, an example is um, uh, Uniswap, right? So Uni has a, a Uni token. Yeah. And um, you'll see that on the crypto markets. Uni, Uniswap is just a means of using crypto. It's a use case for the crypto. It's uh, basically like a broker, but you know, rather than uh, like a stock market, like the NZX or the S&P you know, 500, there's not hundreds of um, Wall Street guys you know, doing trades. Yeah. It's done with the code, yeah. mm. right? So there's there's people behind it who are um, building to you know make the product, um, but yeah, it's the I guess the people using it see the use case, they put the money into it. Yeah, and uh, crypto follows this um, what some people have said follows this thing called Metcalfe's law. So um, with computers, there's something called Moore's law, which is basically where the computer itself gets smaller but more powerful. Yeah. So it halves the size of the chip halves every. Well, I'm going to get the time frame wrong, but like three years or five years or something. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not yeah. sure exactly, but um, basically, you know, across this time period, our computers, our mobile phones, have got a lot more powerful. Mm. And remember, you don't have to have a bank really to run to run the stuff. You just have to have a phone and an internet connection or yep. a, a laptop. But <clears throat> um, getting back to Metcalfe's law, Metcalfe's law follows, um, I guess, the growth of net- networks. 
you know so um yeah basically it's it's adoption of a network by users how much has been transacted on it and um at the moment crypto is um sort of exceeding the rates of adoption of the internet yeah and and people see crazy numbers right i mean you were telling me um over the phone the other day about um was a crypto transaction versus like Visa or Mastercard? What was? Yeah, so uh, last year the the Bitcoin network uh, did did uh, more in terms of volume of transactions, um, volume or amount of transactions than Visa. Yeah. It's a pretty crazy concept. It's pretty crazy. I think what you've got to um, consider with the growth as well, though, is um, you know that. The word of mouth is the best marketing, yeah. right? And you you really can't shy away from the fact that a lot of people live online now, like a large majority or percentage yeah. of their time is online. And when you combine the fact that everyone spends a lot of time on particular websites or message boards or these sorts of things, and the information is readily coming at them, um, is that fear of missing out, right? And you see some people making these huge gains, and, oh, yeah. and you know all the you know I got, I got rich, I did this, I did this, you know, um, and then that fear of missing out sparks people's interest, right? Like, what is this? Well, a lot of people into it. I should be into it. Yeah, totally. And I think the pandemic just accelerated that. Yeah, you know, it's a really good point in this mm-hmm. as well in terms of the acceleration yeah. of growth, right? That must have played a huge uh, impact in terms of not just cryptocurrencies, but you know the evolution around sharesies and working from home and all of these things. Absolutely. Like you, you know, you saw a, uh, a jump on, you know, with platforms like Robinhood and sharesies. Yeah. I think it was the first time that there were more retail transactions. So, you know, people like us rather than fund managers, yeah. um, wholesale market, who were, you know, so there were more transactions, more um, money being uh, spent um, by retail people. And mm. in part, that was because of that access point, right? It's because they're trapped at home and and also worried about the future. Yeah. You know, you're going, um, uh, I've got a young son. And I think, okay, well, what's it going to cost, you know, to, to send uh, him to school? Mm. He's got a young daughter now as well. Same, same question. But, um, you know, that gets you thinking, if I put this money in um, a savings account um, for them, were they going to get 0.1% interest? Mm. Yeah. Right? Current, Take inflation off that, we're going backwards. We're going backwards in a big way. Mm. I mean, if you say inflation is 7%, um, I'm not sure what the RBNZ's figures are, but um, some people would argue that inflation is actually a lot worse than that. Yeah. Mm. Right? So because you're only counting particular things. Yeah. But I guess it's that opportunity to, you know, well, some people are getting desperate. And they and they think, oh, uh, maybe I have to try something more speculative. Um, it's an interesting as a financial advisor. It's it's also an interesting place for people to be coming from. I mean, you know, they're exploratory and they're new, learning new things. That's one thing. But um, yeah, I, so on the on the next episode, I'm very keen to be talking about um, the whole. FOMO piece versus people. Why people invest into into the product. The returns going forward are they going to be at the same level of what we've seen historically as a market continues to mature so make sure to subscribe to our channel give us a review um, and we'll see you next time to keep talking all things crypto cheers